You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And uh, we're wrapping up our newer Isn't Always Better series. Yes, we are. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know. I'm I'm actually a little relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Why? We're, we've been talking about some really... Some movies. Present movies. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, I'm just... I feel like a jerk. That's why, Nathan. Well, that's because you are a jerk. I, I mean, that's so... true, but but I never have felt quite as much like a jerk as I have during this past, <laughs> especially last week. Last week, I felt it, very bad. I, I, I want okay. to celebrate movies. I am torn about last week's episode with The Fog because, like, yeah, we don't want to talk bad about movies. We really do want to talk about all of the qualities and, you know, like, like we were taught when we were kids. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. The fog sucked, though, and yeah. like I, I didn't want it to. Even if it had just been like, eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, it was actively bad. It was taking all of the great thing. You know what? We should stop talking about it. Yeah. Because even in my trying <laughs> to apologize, we're going, apo- <laughs> we're going, we're going right back to it. We're just getting sucked back in. Even trying to apologize for saying negative stuff, it just right back to like, ooh, but yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be super negative F- this movie yeah but that's also only you like you are just the super mean one to the movies um yeah i've, I've been relatively good to the rest of the ones we've been watching i'm just honest and i ha- and i am less uh tolerable of having my time wasted i was just about to say i have a much higher tolerance yeah. for the eh, it's fine <laughs> right brand of movie and all, pretty much all the ones we've been talking about have been for me in the eh, it's fine yeah the varying levels of them where evil dead is probably the best of the remakes that we've been mm-hmm. covering yeah but to me it it's fine because i had higher expectations for it and it did not live up to those expectations with the emotional side mm-hmm. in terms of uh like caring about the characters the, the horror was great but uh, i was just so frustrated with some of the things that it kept it from being a great movie for me it's it's fun it's gonna be fun because i think that uh we're gonna flip our evil dead uh takes are gonna be opposite on this episode where you feel about the way that i did on evil dead maybe to a slightly less degree like i really really like evil dead um it's the, the, the things about it are the things about it that are done well are great. The things about it to me that were misses were such major misses mm-hmm. that it, it, it had serious dinks. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about Robocop. Yeah. Which is what we're covering today. Today. Yes. Um, yeah. And then uh, with the fog, you know, the original fog is I, I absolutely love it. It took a while for me to warm up to it in terms of placing it as high as I do. Um, the remake was unfortunate and i don't i don't i don't want to say much more we'll, else we'll never that. let's never speak of it again uh and then the thing with its remake slash prequel 
it i i really do think that the thing the this remake is, thing. is a perfectly fine movie mm-hmm. because it follows so closely to the original that it's like yeah this is a great movie because it's just an exact copy with some minor differences and it is a thing of the thing basically yeah yeah like <laughs> it mimics <laughs> Po- uh, yeah, after the episode, uh, when we were texting back and forth, I was like, the thing feels like the thing being a thing of the thing. Exactly. <laughs> Where it's like, this, it feels familiar, but something also There's feels something off. off. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it, it wasn't bad. I, I think the director did a really, really good job replicating a movie that I love, mm-hmm. which is why it's, it's fine. It's more action-y, less paranoia, but it's fine. Yeah. And then RoboCop. RoboCop. Which is also fine. Yeah, RoboCop kind of does the uh, the thing that I love about Evil Dead, which is it really doesn't try to make the same movie. It's really trying to carve out its own path and do something different. I just think that it is less successful at it than the than Evil Dead. I think that um, I think that it's more successful. We're, we're going to get into that because yeah. that's the focus of this episode. It is. Uh, before we get into the oh, episode, okay. housekeeping, <laughs> some housekeeping stuff. Um, like we mentioned, this is the last of our newer isn't always better series. And, uh, just a super quick note on that. I think it's really funny. And I did not do this on purpose that all of the movies that we've been covering, like I've covered on the podcast before, either on, uh, uh, the Gargoyle podcast Mm -hmm. or after we changed name to video monsters or even in other podcasts that I've been involved with at some point I have already covered the thing, the fog, Evil Dead, and RoboCop, and so yeah. I just think it's really funny that we're doing a reboot of a <laughs> podcast by covering we're, reboots of movies that I've already we're covered, remaking uh, earlier episodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, finishing the series up, then we're going to be starting our decades episode, which the first one is going to be like two and a half decades. Almost. Sort of, yeah. But to be fair, I don't feel like films really came into focus as a medium necessarily until the 1910s. I mean, they're definitely definitely movies, I guess you could say, prior to that. But as far as feature-length films and the way that we understand film today, I feel like it really started to come into focus in the 1910s. So it's kind of that plus a little extra stuff from... The early 1900s. Yeah. Moving pictures existed before 1910. Correct. But when you think about like early days of cinema, you generally think about the 1910s. The the language wasn't really codified until the the teen, the 19 teens. Yeah. 19 teens. 19 teens. So we're going to be covering (laughs) all of that stuff. Um, And speaking of cinema and its history and why we love it, this like the worst transition ever. That's not bad. I've had worse transitions. It's, it's it's better than some of the movies we covered this 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 month. <laughs> uh, it, it's it is definitely clearer than the fog. Uh, Chattanooga Film Festival is coming up in at this point what like a little under three months, two and a half months. Yep. Wow, that's ooh man, that's coming up close. Getting excited. Yeah. Getting goosebumps. Yeah. Sure. We'll call that a goosebump. Uh, so absolutely <laughs> love Chat Film Fest, and it's coming up uh, April sixteenth through nineteenth. Right. Yep. Yep. Those are the dates. Six, nine. Yep. <laughs> just, just remember six, nine. <laughs> April 16th through 19th. And uh, everyone should go because it is an amazing film festival. Super looking forward to it. And even though there are only a couple of months left, they need your help in making it happen. Mm-hmm. Not just your help, Eric. I know. But you, the listener. Yeah, I'm not helping out. You're, 
I'm just kidding. I'm trying to help out this way <laughs> you are with my voice. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be. Ch- I, I'm a champion of the film festival, but I can't do it alone. Right. Because the film fest is an indie film fest, and there is so much hard work that goes into actually making it happen. And it's a nonprofit, too. Yes. They don't make money. And so, like, they need to make sure that it actually happens with the help of patrons, you know, patronizing it. Mm-hmm. Not patronizing, like, making fun of, but, like, being a patron of right. patronizing. Exactly. Yes. So, <laughs> they currently... Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> They currently have a fundraiser uh, to uh, to do some film education series, and they need help bringing in, uh, like, you know, the, the transportation to bring people in, the hotels, uh, you know, some of the materials that are going to be used, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so there is a fundraiser linked on Facebook. Uh, they are currently trying to get at least 3200 and they're almost halfway there. They're at 1100 mm. which I know there's still a few more hundreds till they're halfway there. But it's it's getting there. Um, So, yeah, if you have ever been to the Chat Film Fest or just care about cinema at all or have any connection to to the Chattanooga Film Festival or Chattanooga or cinema, please contribute. We're going to be linking this on our webpage, but you can also find it. Uh, I actually don't think that Chat Film Fest has shared it from their page, but uh, Chris Storch has shared it directly. Chris shared it directly, but I think the the Chat Film Fest social media pages have all like shared from his page. Okay, so I think you can find it at any of their like on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Chattanooga Film Festival. Yeah, and and again, we're going to share it. Uh, I'll probably have it pinned to the top of the Video Monsters uh, page for a while. So please, please contribute. They need it. And then uh, Knoxville Horror Film Festival coming up in mid-October. Submissions are already open, so get your horror films, horror films done and submitted. And then immediately after that will be the Frightening Ass Film Fest in Chattanooga. Yep. All right. Is that all of our housekeeping? I think that's it. All right. Let's talk about RoboCop. Let's talk about RoboCop. So we're going to do the same thing. Uh, you know, prior information slash how that shaped your expectations slash how it compares to the original. Then the technical components, uh, emotional response. What? Uh, no. Yep. How rewatchable is it and uh, who we recommend the movie for? Mm-hmm. All right. So. And this is RoboCop 2014. 20, was it 2014? It is. Yeah, 2014. Great year for movies. Sure. Yeah. So, yes, the (laughs) RoboCop (laughs) remake from 2014 by Jose Padilla. Padilla? I believe it's Padilla because there's an H in there instead of two L's. I'm bad at pronouncing things sometimes. He's Brazilian. Yes. Yep. He made the Elite Squad series, which I haven't seen, but I've heard great things about the Elite Squad movies. He, He also made RoboCop. He did make RoboCop. Which is good. Uh, mm. And its comparison to the 1987 classic, I would say, perfect movie from Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, it is. It is about every time I watch RoboCop, it just gets better and better from 1987. It is. Oh, God, I love it. I. I, this is like the third time that I've watched RoboCop in the last five months. I love this movie so much. It's so great. All right. Yeah. But RoboCop 2014. So yes. prior information. Um, I have seen this movie once prior to this this rewatch. Um, and of course, I've seen, I, you know, I, it's it's funny. The uh, Verhoeven movie, I've only seen one other time prior to this week. Like, what? it is not a movie that I grew up with. I wasn't, I might have mentioned this before, but I wasn't really allowed to watch it because my parents were cool with me watching movies like Terminator, but... They drew the line at RoboCop and uh, don't blame them after <laughs> it's, it is it is a rough, rough movie. And it's so weird because growing up in the 90s, like RoboCop was there was like a RoboCop cartoon yep. and there were toys. And so like I was always really confused why I couldn't watch 
RoboCop. Well, it seemed like it was specifically for kids. It's been so long since I've seen the theatrical cut that I don't remember how much of uh, what's on the Blu-ray was not shown in theaters. I, th- I think most it, of the... It gets pretty violent. Most of the edits, most of the additional stuff is in the scene, uh, in Murphy's death scene. Or his first, like his his death scene in the beginning right. of the movie, actual where Murphy, not yeah, where they shoot off his hand and shoot off his arm. Like a lot of that was cut down in the original theatrical version of the movie. Um, and I would say that there's probably more of the, um, more of the melting man, the in the toxic <laughs> waste scene, which is so, oh, so so amazing. I love that yeah, that's there. That's... Um, God, I love that more, scene. more blood spurting out of Boddicker's neck. Like um, spoilers, by the way. I don't know if I guess we didn't mention this, Man, but this movie's thirty. We're spoiling the all original of it. is uh, thirty-three years old. No, third forty. I don't know how Thir- to count. No, thirty-three. That sounds right. Yeah, thirty-three years old. So yeah, Man, it's crazy that this that long ago. Um, so yeah, uh, I but I really love this movie. Like the first time I watched it, it kind of blew me away. I didn't expect it to be so intelligent i just kind of was looking for an action movie and was really excited that there was more to it um so yeah anyway i don't have any particular nostalgia for the original movie is what i'm trying to say so it wasn't clouding i don't think it was really clouding my judgment when i was watching the remake i i didn't really feel like i was trying to compare it to the original film you know there are certain things that stick out i mean with like the I wouldn't buy that for a dollar line in the remake. You know, there's just like little things yeah. like that. But for the most part, I didn't really feel like I was trying to have the remake live up to the original. Because first of all, it can't because um, nothing can. Um, and But second of all, I just I was trying to judge the film on its own merits. Anywho, um, going <laughs> and you are way too judgy. On I, well, I didn't really like the Robocop remake that much going into it the first time when I watched it. And then so on a rewatch I was actually kind of dreading it like I didn't really want to rewatch this movie um so I have to say when I first started watching it I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it like the first hour of this movie kicks a lot of ass like yeah, it's it is a fun it's pretty good action movie it sets up a lot of really cool ideas um it has a little bit of the satire that you get from the original movie with uh, Samuel L Jackson's character like it has all of the ingredients that I really wanted out of the RoboCop movie and um, I think that's unfortunate because the movie really set my expectations a lot higher than I expected in, at first because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is way better than I remember. And then I get to the second half and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> and, that's why I didn't care. And for this then movie it falls short. Yeah. So, so we're going to get into uh, some of those details because so far I don't disagree with much of what you've said. Mm-hmm. Uh, my prior information is I don't remember the first time that I saw RoboCop, but I remember seeing it way younger than I probably should have. Yeah. I don't remember it being as graphically violent. So maybe I just saw like a TV edit or or something. I don't know. But I do know that I saw this young. In fact, of all of the movies that we've covered uh, in, in the series, RoboCop is probably one of my earliest watches. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that I saw it before I saw Evil Dead. I'm fairly certain that I saw it before I saw The Thing. Uh, so I have way more nostalgia actually tied to RoboCop than the other ones that we've uh, covered in this series. That being said, uh, I, I, I'm probably way more okay with the remake than a lot of other people are. And part of the reason for that is, again, I absolutely adore RoboCop. I love Paul Verhoeven's movies. Even his terrible movies have so much satire and so much um, commentary in them 
that it's like, okay, this might be a really trashy movie, but yeah, it also really captures the feel of whatever it is that he's trying to make uh, some some mm-hmm. commentaries on. So, like, because of that, I just absolutely adore RoboCop. I adore Paul Verhoeven. Um, and and I had really, really high expectations. I remember when the remake initially came out, or even when they were just talking about doing a remake, I was one of those, like, oh, why are they doing a remake? Can't they come up with original ideas? Eh, this is going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was very firmly in the camp of you do not mess with perfection uh, of the comments of, uh, of RoboCop. But then I watched it and I was like, it, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's fine. You know, I hadn't really watched it since the first time uh, that I saw it several years ago. But it's, it's, it's fine. It's not that bad. I think, and I think Robocop 2 is a premise that really lends itself well to a remake. It's so yeah. high concept and it's so focused on like technology and um, the, the way that they incorporate media into it. Like, I think that it's one of those movies that you could revisit that premise every decade or so and find something new about, like, where we're at in the world and where we're headed and find some kind of new topical idea to focus on. Right. Well, and because of that, that's why on this rewatch, I actually really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think that the RoboCop remake is a much, much better movie uh, than than it could have been. Like, it very easily could have been absolute trash. Yeah. I do think that there are a lot of missteps. I think there's a lot of missed opportunities, but I think that uh, I think that the tone is there. I think that the commentary is there. I just think that some of it either fell flat or didn't really get explored enough. Um, yeah. But that being said, my rewatch, I I really really like RoboCop. Uh, in fact, uh, before the episode when you and I were texting back, I was like listing these four movies in order of best remake to worst i would put evil dead at the top and then robocop and then the thing and then fog or the fog i go back and forth honestly on whether or not i think robocop or evil dead is a better remake Hmm. because of those expectations for evil dead and the things that they messed up on i feel like were such major missteps for me that it's just ah man it i get really frustrated in the first half of evil dead and i have to like i feel like i have to slog through that to get to the stuff that i love yeah robocop i don't think the things that it does well land nearly as good as evil dead but i think that it's more consistently middle of the road which i know for some people like that is a worse comment but for me oh, that's so funny for me it is a more consistent watch beginning to mm. end yeah. So let's get into some of those uh, technical pieces because, yeah, like I, I think the things that specifically what you were just saying with the uh, media and technology aspect and like that's something that can be revisited. One of the things that I think that Robocop does very, very well is it doesn't try to be the exact same movie. Yeah. Except for the times that there are those blatant references that like they're too on the nose. That it yeah, almost takes me bit, out of it. It's a bit much. Uh, there was no nuance in adding in like the I wouldn't buy that for a dollar or it's so weird and the, even the way he stresses the the words it's like it, it, it's not like I wouldn't buy that for a dollar it's I wouldn't buy that for a dollar I don't know it's just yeah. so or like at the end when feels too uh, similar. when he's like dead or alive you're coming with me it's yeah. like but you've not been a dead or alive person this entire movie it feels out of character so I, I do think that the references mostly, to the original were too forced well and the good thing too is the references are mostly just lines of dialogue dialogue so it's not like they're they don't really lift too many plot points it's kind of doing its own thing with the plot um yeah it it does it does take all of the tones 
and put it in a much more current state. Yeah, and it's, and it's much less. It's a much more serious kind of movie, I think. It's not nearly as satirical and tongue-in-cheek, I think, as the first movie. I think really the only kind of satire you get is just Sam Jackson's character with the Novak Report. But, man, even that. So, like, in the the original, the commentary, because, you know, it was the late 80s. Yeah. And so it was very, very much about... um, Reagan. uh, Yeah, Reagan and commercialism. Privatization, deregulation. Right. And, like, that's why, even though... When you watch the original, it feels weird that they show commercials. It's like, why are they showing commercials in the movie? (laughs) But yeah, like it's because it's it's almost like the news has also been commercialized. Yeah. And it's important to have those commercials in there to really drive home the point that um, that part of the problem when the movie was made was so much focus on money, so much focus on yeah. everything is being it's commercialized. When news, the news being media bought. wasn't really like back in the 70s, it was really like as long as we're. As long as we make enough money just to keep the lights on, then we will have news. But then it was like news uh, companies had to become more for profit. I mean, they were for profit, basically, at that point. So you had to have those commercials. You had to have like the news was obviously bent to favor certain public figures. Like I love how they (laughs) when they talk about the um, president losing power in space and how, oh, he just had a few moments of (laughs) of. uh, Of uh, weightlessness in space yeah. and all this like goofy stuff. Like they try to make it fun. Well, and then like they, uh, they'll they do just, the news story on the like rebel uprising in Acapulco and then straight to the Nukem commercial. Yeah. And, and they they like very they breeze past all the like big awful events happening in, in other parts of the world. And, right. So the the way that the media is presented in the original Robocop, I think it feels dated, but also still very relevant. But I think that that was a very smart decision to update how the news was used in uh, in the remake mm-hmm. with Sam Jackson and the Novak Report. Because rather than it being, oh, here's everything about commercialism it was uh, and capitalism, it was very much this is like the political slant. And yeah. this is how like these people are trying to control you. And it felt like a very unfortunately too real uh, yeah, that, satire that, of how the news is used that opening scene is fascinating because for one thing it's actually it's not like a generic middle eastern fake country it's in like it says like operation it's, it's in tehran it's, it's operation yeah. tehran freedom or something like that which especially after <laughs> this is now 2020 and it feels <clears throat> even more relevant now and it's kind of scary to <laughs> the, the robocop remake might, have might in actually be a better movie now than it was then yeah no, honestly, like it yeah. is, it's, it's fascinating. And like, I don't know, it's, it's so cool. And it sets up so many interesting directions they could go with like drone technology and the surveillance state and, um, media manipulation. And it's like all these like really cool ideas that they throw in there right from the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, this is a really smart, smart way to approach this given, you know, the current climate. Yep. <sighs> Yep. So, and then it doesn't really do much with it. So, keeping with some of those comparisons, uh, and, and again, like it, it is a good movie. It is a smart remake. You know, you were just talking about the Operation Tehran Freedom, and in, in the original, um, 
OCP, like they were just buying everything. So they had bought yeah. the police station, the police, they privatized yeah. the police. Because and, because the city of Detroit had gone bankrupt, which ended up happening you yeah. know, a few years ago. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was very much about like biz, big business is controlling everything, mm-hmm. even the police. Not in a like, oh, they've bought the police, like they're on our payroll, but like a, no, they own the police. Like they literally it, it, it is a privatized business now. Uh, and, and, you know, like there was a lot of, uh, cocaine. It was very much like the evil corporate big business in the mm-hmm. original and in the remake, it was, yeah, here are these robots and drones and all of this technology that is keeping everyone safe in foreign countries, but why can't we use it here? And so again, it was much more of the political machine of like there was a bill that they were trying to overturn to be able to get robots on the streets to keep america safe yeah and i really like those more overt political ideas and how they they create robocop because they're trying to sway public opinion they want a robot with a face yeah like with with some kind of emotion because in that opening scene a robot kills a kid yeah. Granted, that kid was the son of someone who uh, had just blown himself up on live TV mm. as a way to make a point. And again, like, oh, God, so much relevance. It's a really good movie. Like, no. honestly, talking about it, I, I enjoy the movie more. The, the problem is it, that it, it's so relevant. The problem it's is that good. the movie has all these great ideas. But I think what ended up happening is. This is a big budget studio movie. They yep. had to make a PG-13 version of RoboCop. Yep. And I mean, even the director, like if you do some research on it, he said like for every 10 ideas that I had, they rejected nine. Yeah. And I think what ended up happening is that at the end of the day, they wanted a sleek, generic action movie. And in the second half of the movie, that's exactly what you get. And, and that's unfortunate. It, it's very unfortunate because... They focus too much on RoboCop's family and the way that his family plays into this. And I think that is there is actually a pretty good story that can be told with that. But what ends up happening is that it's trying to make his family the emotional core of the movie. But you don't see them enough and see how they're dealing with the emotional fallout of him being basically a piece of property now and how like they also bring up some really interesting ideas about free will and how his free will is suppressed by the, um, by the programming of RoboCop because if he has free will and he has emotion, then he doesn't react fast enough. Yeah. And like the, uh, the programs are sending the signals to his brain to make him think that he's doing the things. Yeah. And there's some really Really fascinating ideas in there. And then ultimately like, where they end up going with it is like, oh no, his emotions are overriding the programming, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, I don't, it's just kind of the most boring, safe version of this story that they, like, safe direction so, they could have possibly gone in with this story. And so it's really disappointing. That, again, like, I, I wasn't necessarily planning on doing this, but <laughs> I'm just keeping all of the, here's how they actually compare, because it, of all the ones that we've covered in the series so far, I feel like this is the best example of this is what the original did. This is how they kept the same tone, but how they did something different doing what a good remake should do. Again, yes, yeah, some of it falls short um, in, in the original RoboCop because of the capitalism, because of everything is being bought. Um, the turning um, 
turning Officer Murphy into Robocop was very much about, okay, he is dead. We own him anyways. And now we're just putting his face on a machine. Yeah, he signed a waiver so we can do whatever we want with his body. Right. Like even uh, that one little snippet that you get when you see, like you see things from Robocop's perspective Mm -hmm. when they're doing all of the tweaks and you haven't even seen him yet. And he says something about like, what's with his arm? They're like, oh, well, it was still functional, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no complete prosthesis yeah. like the only thing that's left is his face and maybe some of his brain which yeah. you don't fully see whatever like they make it very clear like no we don't get, get rid of all of it we just need that tiny little bit because well because they're uh ed 209 also killed someone that probably shouldn't have <laughs> in a very violent God, way. I love the God, way the that I love the way that like when that happens, everyone is shocked and then it's like, oh man, I hate how this is going to affect our bottom line. And yep. like, uh, like it's, they don't actually care about the loss of human life. It's so, such a great like indictment of corporate America. Yeah. Well, and I was watching it with the subtitles on because my kid was asleep and there's a line that I had never caught before. Uh, one of the people says that Ed 209 didn't hear the gun drop. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like he he threw the gun down on carpet, and so like it just didn't register. And it's like, well, that, huh? That's that's something you would think that like they would have some sort of visual sensors on a robot, but whatever. Yeah, well, and then you um, also like Miguel Ferrer's character. He's just excited because oh, he's like oh, new opportunity for me. Yeah, like he's such a vulture. It's yeah, it, it's so it's much corporate greed, and it's played so well. Um, but yeah, so RoboCop, it is all about like. Alex Murphy is just this property of OCP. Mm-hmm. And so his journey to like regain his humanity is very much about a complete loss of humanity and having to regain that back. And it tells, I think a very specific story that I absolutely love. It is uh, <laughs> just such a blatant Christ allegory, especially when he is literally walking on water at the end. I love it so much. And in the remake, it's less about that loss of humanity because, like, he stays human throughout except for when the machinery overrides. And so, to me, it's telling a PTSD story. So, rather than focusing on, uh, again, capitalism and and, um, corporate greed, it's focusing on this is what, like, war and crime and trauma does does to a person yeah and one of the scenes that i didn't expect it to uh i didn't expect to have as strong of an emotional reaction to it this time because i had seen it before and it's not that great of a scene but when um in the remake when he first calls his wife on the video phone and he just keeps having the camera zoom in and zoom in and zoom in to oh, show yeah. as little of the robot as possible. It's such a great visual way to show how he feels about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know why, but it just really, really hit me this time. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He is having to hide so much of who he is. Mm-hmm. And again, suffering through this PTSD in obviously a, a very sci-fi way of I'm a robot now, people, people. Yeah. Just having to hide so much. And when he starts experiencing emotions and he just like ends the phone call, mm-hmm. I just think it's such a great scene. And if they had focused a little bit more on that, like yeah. really showing the interactions with the family and really focusing on this is how this is causing the trauma, not just for him, but for his wife and for his kid. Yeah, absolutely. The it's, the tone of what they were going for, I think, is great. 
this is just one of those missed it's, opportunities of they didn't focus it's such enough. a fantastic setup and that's why it's so disappointing because like yeah. you get the scene where he go he finally goes back and he they see his his family sees him for the first time and he walks up to his son and his son and he's like do you want to touch the armor which is just kind of weird but um <laughs> and it's like it's like this genuinely like it's it's fascinating to see how they've reacted to him and to try to imagine like how they're going to have to adapt to this new situation to like the, their dad is is i don't know like it's just it's just how are you going to make this work and then they yeah. immediately cut to okay i'm back to being a cop now and he's like, this is my home now. I need to find out who killed me. And it's like, what? Like, you were just had this tender emotional moment, and then you immediately have to be taken away. I wonder how much of that comes down to editing, though. <clears throat> like, I, I wonder how much of that wasn't a directing decision, but a studio decision. And of, I think that's the problem. I think, yeah. the, again, it's these, these, the problem with a lot of these remakes that are like gigantic budget versions of what were originally, you know, kind of lower budget and sometimes independent films is that you have to answer to so many people and there are so many people who have their hands in the pie and who are really trying to make a buck and they don't necessarily care about whether the story makes sense. They want to make sure you get all those good action beats that the audience craves. And, and so you get all these like all all these studio mandates from on high and ultimately it's a compromised movie. I think, I mean, it's just so unfortunate because especially because they really did try to focus more on the family. I wish that there had been either less focus on the family and more on the actual like implications of this technology and what that means politically and, you know, kind of more along the lines of what the original RoboCop was trying to do, or if they had just focused more on how this is affecting this family and had gone for more of an emotional movie then it would have been fantastic. But it splits the difference, and ultimately it's two incomplete movies. It yeah, feels like I, two incomplete I versions think, of this movie. I think that this would have been a much, much stronger movie to get rid of the whole uh, here's a crime boss who mm. tried to kill him, and now he has to go on a vend- like, yeah. I, I, I feel like that movie or uh, that plot point, even though it does keep in line with some of the stuff from the original – I feel like that weakens it. I think that it actually mm-hmm. would have been a much, much stronger movie if uh, if Murphy had been maybe like one of the people over in Tehran in that opening scene. Yeah. And had like been uh, – um, uh, what's the word? He, he had been collateral damage and like had gotten uh, hurt because the robots weren't doing their job yeah. or something like that. And then had to deal with that sort of PTSD – and then the government uh, had used him as the example of this is why robots, even though, sure, they keep th- some things safe. This is why they're still dangerous. And yeah. then, like, used him as more of a pawn uh, to try to get that boat passed, which, again, like, that well, plot point is there. And I think that's really good. But I I didn't care as much about his revenge story. It felt more of just like, a, oh, right, there was the revenge plot in the original, so there has to be it in this one. I think if they had either if they'd either cut more of the family stuff or cut the revenge plot of it, it would have been a much stronger movie. It's a movie that's trying to tackle way too much. Yeah. Like the beauty of the original movie is its simplicity. They take a very simple plot, and because of that, they can jam pack so many other like so, so much more subtext into it. This movie, it's a lot of plot, and it raises so many fan 
like fascinating questions and then it just tries to do too much with it and ultimately ends up doing nothing with it well like you have gary oldman as the doctor and all of the advancements yeah uh, that that technology is being used for and like how that's being um not really privatized but how that's being used as a uh, as a military weapon mm-hmm. well and, and also like they even it's fascinating to see how they're implementing it just in um in society in general like you get a really cool scene earlier in the movie where you have the guy with the who's a guitar player with mm-hmm. the prosthesis and he's like trying to play this song and he keeps messing up and he's like oh no you're too emotional it's it's altering the chemistry of your brain and it's causing issues with the with the prosthesis and he's like i can't play without emotion right. and i was like that's a really cool idea and i think ultimately the only thing it does is it sets up the end where even though he has his, even though Michael Keaton yeah. has a bracelet that sh- prevents him from shooting, prevents the programming from targeting him, he still somehow manages to override it with emotion, which is just so so dumb. Really quick on that because this I feel like is one of the things that fell short. And again, I like I genuinely like this remake. Mm. And honestly, the more that I talk about it, I like it more. Um, but two of the things that absolutely fell flat for me. Michael Keaton is definitely not a good person Mm -hmm. and definitely playing the political game and definitely caring about money, but he gets super evil, super fast. So ridiculous. The way he points the gun at his family feels way out of character. Yeah. It doesn't like it. It feels, it really ruins his character because I like that. I like the idea that he's a little bit more morally gray. Like he's not just a strictly greedy kind of person. Like he actually, like it's clear that he has very evil motivations. He's he's obviously more evil than well, good. But I wouldn't I, even necessarily say evil motivations, but just like political and money yeah, motivations. He's, yeah, he's I mean, very true. very selfish. Which yeah, sure is evil, but but he does seem like somebody who, at, on a certain level, is somewhat concerned about the people that are being affected by this in a certain way. I mean. To a certain extent, no, not really, because he wants to kill Murphy to drum up sympathy or whatever. But I still feel like he kind of walks the line a little bit. He's not somebody who's just going to pull the... I think he's he's a person who is who is evil in a Charles Manson kind of way, in that he is, um, he is delegating the responsibility to someone else. And that is kind of an interesting idea that he doesn't feel like he is directly responsible for anything that happens. But then in the end, he just says... Yeah, I'm going to point a gun at his. Well, but he also doesn't feel just like blatantly evil. Yeah. Like in the original, uh, Dick Jones, is that his name? I don't Dick know. Dick Jones. Yeah. yeah. He like he is so blatantly evil yeah. and has uh, Bodinger on his payroll and like has him go over and blow up the guy. So like he is just outright evil. Mm-hmm. Michael <clears throat> Keaton's character doesn't feel like that same level of evil. He, yeah. It, it definitely seems like he is motivated by money and less about concern He's for evil people, in like a Mark Zuckerberg kind of way yes. where like I don't necessarily think Mark Zuckerberg is an evil person. I think that he's kind of insidious and I think that he's also kind of oblivious to to the ramifications of the things that he does. Right. So at the end when he just straight up turns a gun on them. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it feels so out of character and yeah. it feels like he just turned so it feels like he turned into an 80s movie villain exactly, in a 2014 yeah. movie and it's like that that feels weird. Yeah. 
The other thing that I have an issue with very much is a contrivance. when um, when RoboCop overcame his programming to be able to shoot the red asset. It's like, okay, but mm, what you're telling us here then is even though like you had to make him blatantly evil to make it justified why RoboCop shot him, you're still telling us that this person is going to overcome the safeguards to actually protect people. So if you have a bad cop in a robo suit, then you're going to have an overpowered bad cop. Like to me, it made it a a worse way to keep people safe. Yeah. It's just really bad. It's, it's all around. It, it doesn't make any sense. And There's a lot of, I feel like there are a lot of moments like it, that in it this just, movie. It felt too contrived. There are, there are a lot of, and again, I don't necessarily think it's the fault, uh, maybe not the fault of the screenwriters. It does feel like these are mandates from on high. Like, okay, we have to get these, we have to get you into the action scenes or whatever. We have to get you into these specific moments that you expect from this kind of movie. There are a lot of weird things. Like, it still doesn't make sense to me that they even selected Murphy in the first place, especially because they have a scene earlier where they're, like, looking through potential candidates and they get the one person who... Um, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's really great, uh, yeah. but he's got his uh, his uh, psyche vow came back and he's he had a lot of anger issues. But then which, they overpower it with drugs anyways. Yeah, they overpower so, it with the drugs anyway. And also they mentioned earlier in the movie that Murphy also has anger issues. So it kind of... And also, like, the fact that he has the family feels like a huge red flag. Like, why would they want to involve someone who already has a family who has this other group of people who are interested in him and who would not yeah. be on board with... They, they like oh, they just set themselves up for failure in a weird way. And that's why I think <clears throat> that uh, if they had gone more of the, like, he was a, a veteran who had gotten injured in combat or a collateral damage in non-combat and then like came home and mm. was used as a pawn for the, uh, again, the political game as a officer to say, here's how you can still be useful. Again, like really tying it in with uh, like actual PTSD and finding mm-hmm. your role in society. Then they could have had, this is going much more drama side of it though, mm-hmm. rather than action. The big emotional thing at the end could have been overcoming his programming to stop being a cop to be with his family, yeah. which that that is absolutely a drama movie, not an action movie. So I understand why that's not where it went, but mm-hmm. it could have like you very easily could have had um, a very emotional, very dramatic RoboCop rather than an action RoboCop. And I think that it would have worked. Yeah. And I think that, the, again, I think those elements are there, which is why you have so much time with Gary Oldman's character as the doctor. Mm-hmm. Like you're really focusing on the humanity of Alex Murphy yeah. when you see him when they when take they off his robo suit. That scene is so cool. Yeah, some of the CGI I don't think aged very I mean, well, no, even though it's, it's only great. six years ago. It's but still, still a great idea. It's I mean, it, it looks really his cool. response. It's, it's a cool idea to ha- like have him react oh. to it. Although I also still don't understand why they did that because they already like. <laughs> They already uh, made it clear that he's under a lot of stress from this new situation. Like they just woke him up and he doesn't understand what's happening. And then they're like, oh, let's just deconstruct you and let you see your lungs and brain. That, that'll that make you feel better. But again, <laughs> but it does help him come to grips with the reality. It's just kind of a weird. Right. And even some of like that philosophical, like let's literally deconstruct yeah. who you are to see your own humanity. It's a it's a cool idea. And, and his response of just like, oh, God, just kill me. Kill me now. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Don't ever let my family see me like this. Mm-hmm. What have you done? Like it, it's, I think, a really good scene with some shortcomings. But 
Yeah, yeah so much. That's, and that's ultimately, and I think that almost the fact that this movie is so good in the beginning almost makes me like it even less because there's so much potential that they could have had. And I mean, there are also, there are other little nitpicks. Like I'm never going to get over the fact that they um, uploaded the entire criminal database into his head <laughs> five minutes before his public unveiling. Like yeah, that, what, was, that was dumb. What kind of shit is this? Like you, <laughs> Oh my God. It's so crazy. And then also that scene's really fascinating too, because they have, he's like, Oh, because I can parse through all this information instantaneously. I now have enough evidence to arrest 600 people. Yeah. And there's, there could have been some interesting stuff with like the prison industrial complex there. And like, yeah, like how are they then going to uh, house them with yeah, the infrastructure? Jay Baruchel's and... like, Hey, uh, we need to build more prisons or something. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's an, another interesting thing they could have done with this. Well, and, and the use of like the CCTV and privacy. And yeah. Tra- Exactly. The phone records. Yeah, There's a lot state. of There's really smart stuff that's so done. So many cool implications that there's so many cool ideas, not cool, like troubling right. <laughs> implications that could have been explored in really cool ways in this movie. And yeah, and it's most of it is just lip service. They just mention it and yeah, make you but, sort of think about it. But that's why I do think that there is a much better movie hidden within the Robocop remake. For sure. Like, yeah. I think that if I would um, love to see an original draft of like the shooting script for this movie to see yeah. what was cha- like where they ultimately were planning on going <clears throat> and kind of what happened. Because because I mean again it like the last hour of this movie is just kind of Murphy just kind of running around in a bunch of various action scenes that are pretty weightless and yeah just, that's so who really cares what's happening to these people that he's hunting down that is one of my biggest problems with this movie uh, I I understand because they focus way more on the fact that like he is still human they focus much more on like his quote unquote training and how they're uh, balancing that programming. It's basically a superhero origin story. They spent a really long time with his training and I feel like they spent too much time with it. Like I I understand why I do think that it does give more of that humanity Mm -hmm. and I I don't hate it, but I like Jackie Earl Haley's character a lot. Well, my, (laughs) he's fun. My biggest problem with, uh, with all of the training sequences it doesn't feel like it carries the same weight. You know, like in the original, it's, hey, you're RoboCop, go out and be RoboCop. And like literally, it's like the streets. It's like and straight five to minutes people. of him yeah. like being RoboCop, <laughs> and he's there. Yeah, and it goes straight into like the the crux of the movie. And this one, the pacing is way the, it's the, sl- oh it slows down way too much during this stuff. Yeah, the the middle section where they're trying to balance the whole like, okay, how do we train him because we've made him too human, but he's also a robot, and like they have him plugged in, so like he's going through that uh, scenario, mm-hmm. but nothing bad is going to happen to him again there's no weight when during that scene where he was just plugged into a simulation and you see the side by side like the, the split yeah, screen which, stuff which again cool cool and, idea yeah. and also it does tie into like some of the modern stuff of getting um people in the military to play like call of duty yeah because it virtual does reality and that kind yeah of stuff. so again really smart ways to tie in what is currently happening with this movie but during that scene all that i could think of was never forget the time that RoboCop shot the dude in the dick. Like he just he is straight into being RoboCop and just like, oh, this woman is being assaulted. Just dead dick or alive, shot. you're coming to me, coming with me, and it's just like, oh, okay, clear shot, shoot him in the dick. And like <laughs> it's just 
you you feel the weight of RoboCop in the original, mm-hmm. like, and just the grime of rundown, futuristic, dystopian Detroit. Yeah, this movie's li- a little too the remake's too, too sleek. It's, yeah. I, w- I miss the grunginess of the original movie, and and even then, like. Even if you didn't have have to compare it to the original movie, it still feels too clean compared to like all the dirty back like backdoor channels and things that they're doing. It feels like it should be a dirtier movie, and also especially since like they but they are focusing more on the medical side of it and the political side of it, so yeah. you don't get much of the street. That's true. You do get the more polished side. That is of true. I mean, it makes more sense. I d- I just feel like it. Yeah, it's I'm, it's lacking that weight. It's lacking the it's too glossy. Um, well, especially. Um, it's a fun scene slash I was bored during the scene where Robocop, where they, you know, like basically turn off him and it's just the programming where he's going through and shooting all of the robots in the warehouse. Yeah. I was bored during that scene. It's, I mean, it's, there's a lot of cool shots and stuff, but yeah, it's, it's kind of the um, problem that you have with a lot of the Marvel movies where it's like, it's an endless army of faceless things well, that you, the, it doesn't the, matter. You know, he's going to succeed. Right. You know he's going to be fine. Again, it doesn't carry enough weight. And also the music that they're playing. What kind of yodeling bullshit, okay. crazy nonsense okay. was that? Here's the thing. That song is um, from Focus. And part of the reason so that weird. that scene felt boring to me is because just a couple of days ago, I was just you know watching random clips on YouTube. And I was watching the scene from Baby Driver. Where they use that same song. When, you, really? Yep, okay, I don't that remember that. That is the exact same song. Baby Driver. I, I love that song. I love Focus. It is a prog rock band that, yeah, uses yodeling in uh, in in that song. I, I want to say it's is it Helter Skelter. That's not the name of that song. Anyways. Uh, it's a cool song. It just feels really out of place. I, I love that song. It is a great song. And uh, the use of it in Baby Driver, like there's so much energy and it feels so fast that then watching that exact same song in RoboCop, it felt slow. It felt boring. I was just well, like, and eh. it also, it does also doesn't help that there's another like really awesome use of music in the earlier scene with the simulation where uh, Jackie Earl Haley is playing. Um, if I only, man, yeah, if I only had a heart and I'm like, Oh, that's really funny and clever. Like uh, yeah. that makes so much sense for his character to do that. It's cool. And then the music in that scene just feels really bizarre, well, especially because the, the music was slow. So it made the action almost feel like a dance. Yeah. And it, yeah. In that later scene where he's just shooting all of the robots, it's like he's not moving fast enough to keep up with the pace of this Mm -hmm. music. And again, like I I also dislike it. It, Again, that scene was a little ruined for me because I had just watched that clip from Baby Driver the other day and it doesn't match that same adrenaline. It also points out another flaw, too, with that. I hate the new look of Robocop in this movie with the black Kevlar. It's so bland and boring. And also his movements are I mean, it's clear that most of the time when he's moving, it's CG. Like what's so cool about the original movie is Peter Weller inhabits that suit beautifully. Like it carries so much weight. He is so like he is just so in tune with that machinery that he feels like a robot in this movie. He just feels like a superhero and it, the movements don't seem natural, but the scene with Jay bear show where he's like, okay, we've, you know, uh, product tested, which again, product testing the police of, uh, (laughs) this one tested really strong among prisoners. Like this scared the shit out of them when they showed the original Robocop. You know, I think it's funny because in the original Robocop movie, they actually did a, they were afraid that police wouldn't like the scene where, uh, Robocop is reading Boddicker, his Miranda rights while he, 
he's throwing him through glass. <laughs> and apparently they screen tested it for police specifically so they could see if they like it and they loved it. And I think that um, I, I hope that that's a callback to that because it's funny that they did a they did um, product testing with with yeah. people in the well, and new movie. I, I do really like that scene because. Part of it is because, uh, again, like it feels like it has some of the. This is a business, so what design is going to have? The yeah, best it's like all tactical, and, and like they I have the it. one like with the sirens, like oh, kids loved this one. It's yeah. like, <laughs> oh, you're totally even. Like I, I feel like I don't know. Obviously, I have not talked to the director, but it felt like uh, almost an indictment against like the toy industry. Yeah, of, no, oh, this is just going to commercialize. That's actually, a movie. but it's pretty solid satire, and you yeah. get that in the original too with like uh i mean the nukem board game but also there's the scene where robocop visits the elementary school and like he's a hit with kids and it's like yeah "Yeah, we're trying to make kids be okay with what is essentially a weapon yeah we're trying to make them feel comfortable with it and like it and be pro i mean it's propaganda right and uh it's it's pretty fascinating to see in this movie i like that little so how they use that in terms of his design i think is smart i do have some issues with it um there's some lines of dialogue that I don't feel like they've really worked that great. Some mm. stuff that feels a little too forced. There's definitely issues with it. Um, but like overall, I do feel like it is a very solid middle of the road movie mm. again, because the things I, I think that there is so, so much potential for this to be such an amazing update with just as much satire and just as much commentary and just as much relevance but again, done in in a modern way where it doesn't feel like they're just trying to remake the original. Uh, but then some of the stuff falls short. But to me, the things that fell short weren't as egregious as other movies, which it's, it, it's I think it, I have the it's, opposite of thing because yeah. I feel like the parts that fell short felt even more egregious because of how good other parts are. Like it's just... So, so much of what happens in the later parts of the movie just feels so lazy and dull. And again, like m- most of the like last 30 minutes of the movie is just a Robocop shooting other robots. And right. I don't when he fights the ED 209 stuff in the building, it's just like, eh, I don't care, man. It's boring. I, I see. I don't think that that scene it's is boring. Kind of I subpar, think I think I think that the scene where he's fighting the uh, Ed 209, especially when he first gets in there and he's hiding beneath his legs. That, to me, is a much, much better showdown. God, I can't believe that I'm saying this. That's a much better showdown than in the original Robocop where uh, where, where it just falls down the stairs. That's so funny. That's I so love good. It. I love it. Aww, but in terms, in terms of Robocop fighting against the Ed 209, I feel like that is a better use of uh, like the interaction between them. And... and yeah, there's some flaws with it. He feels way too CGI when he's on top of it. Uh, like, I, it almost feels like they use the exact same um, uh, base, like before rendering as Legolas getting on top mm. of the uh, Mumikills. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's just kind of like swinging up on top. It's like, yeah. oh, I've seen literally that exact same motion before. They were just like, hey, can we can we use that file over there? <laughs> but, funny. you know, throw some Robocop on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think most of the action later in the movie is kind of subpar. I like the one the one action scene where he's actually fighting against humans when he's going and getting his revenge against the Boddicker character who... who Clarence Boddicker is one of the greatest villains in cinema history. He's so oh, you mean amazing. Red yeah, Kurtwood Smith is incredible. <laughs> he's so good in the original Robocop. And the version of him in this movie that exists... 
it's bland. It's he he has no personality. Yeah. I mean, I, they get a lot. Like the cast in this movie is fantastic. They have so many good actors that carry so much more weight than I think they're given in the script in a lot of cases. Um, I, but I think... most of the characters don't register nearly in the same way as Boddicker. And even his his goons in the original movie, all of them have really distinct personalities. Yep. They're all very memorable. In this movie, I don't feel like, other than... Well, I think, I think Michael Keaton and his PR team, are like, I like them a lot. Like, they kind of stand out. Gary Oldman stands out. Nobody else really... So, I think that part of why... Even his family, and... like, they don't... Yeah... I mean, his wife is basically just there to hand him a beer, almost have sex with him, and then <laughs> cry every time something bad happens to him. Like, he, she is so... Abby Cornish is a great actress, and she is really not served well by this movie at all. So, two things. Uh, in terms of the family, the emotional connection that you see in the original with just the flashbacks, I feel so much more connected. Yeah, and I feel so, much of, feel so much more of the weight of Murphy's loss. Especially because to have them as exist uh, as a memory instead of actually well, see them makes it so much more tragic. Especially me, because Verhoeven them. does the thing of show don't tell, where you get in the beginning where uh, Peter Weller's just spinning his gun. Oh, it's so good, dude! I love that it. is such beautiful, perfect characterization yeah. to show how much he cares about his family without needing to show them, without yep. carrying that additional expectation of having to flesh out those characters. In this one, his interactions with his son never feel genuine to me, ever. Yeah. Like, the they, part... They literally feel too robotic. In fact, he he's kind of an asshole to his son most of the time. <laughs> like, the scene where he first comes home and he's like, yay, daddy's finally home. And he's like, alright, go to bed. And then he picks him up. He's like, give mom a kiss. And then he steals the kiss. And he never even lets his son kiss his mother before going to bed. Like, yeah. it's so weird. It th- There was the I attempt don't. to throw <sighs> in some of, like, that, you know, playfulness with family. I... Yeah, and then and then definitely like, stuff that right shorts. after this, and again right after the scene where he comes back and he sees his family again, and it's kind of tender and emotional. They try to get that, and then immediately he's like, "Nope, that's not my home right now." The ne- in the next scene when he goes to the police garage, and it's like, "What an asshole!" Well, but again, he's dealing with PTSD. That I know. Pe- I mean, that and that's part, true. I, I, that's that's that part didn't bug me. A better way to look at it is if he's dealing with PTSD, it makes more sense. But I just I don't know. It, the, it bugs me because they try to make his family such an important part. The part that bugged me. And he just watches videos of them being sad, and that's why that's what ultimately yeah. convinces him to. That's where the emotion comes from, and it just doesn't. Yeah, work. and there's, yeah, definitely fell short. So the other thing in terms of the uh, the drug runners and like that whole plot and the revenge piece, um, even though I don't think that it was necessary, and I think that that's actually one of the plot points that could have been removed to uh, to help just speed the movie along and give it a much better pacing. I don't. I feel like the reason that it was there wasn't to show the uh, it it wasn't to have the like the drugs subplot. Mm-hmm. It was more of the um, what's the word I'm looking for the the corrupt police force. Yeah, mm-hmm. which again with the commentaries that were being made with the satire with some of the this is the current political state and this is why we would be so much better with just having robots or would we or would we not but then you lose the human element but yeah. the human element can be corrupt and so we have to show the corruption like it made sense and and i liked it except for the fact that i don't feel like it was i i feel like it muddied things no yeah it tries to do too much it's it's one subplot too many there are too many subplots going on in this movie and it's and it already feels overlong at two hours like it's we talked about how it's not super well paced i feel like you could have easily trimmed out one of the subplots, cut this down to like 105 minutes, and you would have had a much stronger movie and a more yeah. focused movie. Yeah, it's 
but but again, the things that are there that are good, I think, are really good. I mean, good, I appreciate I that they try that to do a lot with it. It's just it doesn't gel together very well. Yeah, and and again, the ways that they try to make the updates, I think, are very very smart ways to do a remake where you're capturing the same tone mm-hmm. without trying to literally make, remake the same movie. I already mentioned that the uh, the callbacks to the original, I they were too spot on. Like when they did show the tactical original uh, robot, when they did yeah. have the I wouldn't buy that for a dollar, the out of place dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yeah, I'm trying and to think even of the music literally being the exact same. Music. Yeah, they did in the beginning a it's, little bit at parts. I, I don't know. There really weren't like it didn't feel other. I mean, it's really just the dialogue. I can't really think of anything in particular. I mean, I guess you could argue that. The plot but point of kind the of some drugs of the, and the revenge. And, yeah, some of the plot points are pretty similar, but it never feels like a retread. Like, it never feels like I did with the thing where it's like, oh, this is basically the exact same movie. Yeah, it, it felt like watching a different movie yeah. to the point where when there were those callbacks, they felt so out of place that yeah, exactly. I, I, I kind of it makes it even worse. I'm just yeah. like, oh, you didn't, you didn't need that. Oh, oh well. Yeah, it's almost like they're inviting the comparison. If they didn't have that stuff in there, then it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Rem- if it, if it reminded people less often right. of the original movie, then you wouldn't be inviting those comparisons and having that. Yeah, yeah it's so out of place. Yeah. Um. Well, that that kind of uh, blended the emotional all throughout that technical. My emotional reaction to it is, I enjoyed it more this time. Yeah. Talking about it and talking about how things were done, I actually enjoy it more. The Mm. things that were missteps, I still feel like were missteps. It is still middle of the road. Again, this is an iRobot movie for me where Mm. I can turn it on and just have it playing in the background and enjoy it when I'm watching it and ignore it when I'm not paying attention to it and probably enjoy it just as much. Again, I think that the things that were done in terms of the remake quality, I think were very, very smart ways to handle a remake, just sort of mishandled in some of the pacing and possible studio uh, over involvement yeah no overall i I think it's good no i think i mean that's kind of how i feel i mean my overall emotion is kind of just disappointment i guess and which is weird because like i didn't i didn't go into this with high expectations at all i I expected to like it even less and i pretty much like it about the same as i did the first time around um i mean it's one of those things where like i would never had any interest in watching this movie until i happened to catch just the opening scene and i was like oh okay like this is really interesting i think i might actually want to watch this movie and that's why i watched it the first time um but yeah it's just there's so many it's so much potential that's kind of squandered throughout this movie that I enjoyed watching most of it, but by the end of it, I was just left with kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. Like, man, I'm sad that that this movie wasn't better because it could have been so much better. So, uh, and I love, I love movies that I, I love this concept. I love movies that are just barely into the future to give you like, like, I don't want. I'm gonna jump the gun a little bit here, but the movie upgrade is a, is a way better version <laughs> of this movie because it's one of those where it's set in the not too distant future. Sure. Um, where it feels enough like today, but with enough like cool gadgets and technology, that's really exciting and like kind of gives you a really cool glimpse at what the future could be. Um, but it's also got more of a grimier kind of yeah. aesthetic to it that I, I really like. I've not um, seen Upgrade yet. This oh, definitely gotta, does feel too polished. It does make it feel too unrealistic. Upgrade is the movie that I wish this movie was. So, like, on the in the end, at the end of the day, I'm not super sad because I can just watch Upgrade sure. instead because it has a lot of the same ideas that are in this movie that this movie doesn't really 
Not that it doesn't explore them. I think it just never was given the chance. I think right. that I think that the director and writers were probably pushed into this movie more so than they wanted to, and they probably had a lot more. They probably there was a lot more that they wanted to do that they right. couldn't. So ultimately, it's just kind of sad that so it had to be this way. Yeah, and yeah, but even with that, I don't I don't think that it's bad. Yeah, I don't um, hate it. Like I don't feel so, the same way about the thing or that I did with the thing or the fog where I'm yeah. just like. Uh, so, uh, kind of just ambivalent. Th- this is probably the last thing that I have about it. It, it kind of blends the technical and emotional. I feel like a re-edit of this movie would make it a much, much stronger movie yeah. that I would even say is a really good movie. Yeah. In terms of like, I don't even necessarily think that you would need to reshoot anything or have to like redo, like taking exactly what is there. Mm-hmm trimming out some of the stuff that's unnecessary uh you know speeding up the pacing a little bit just like for real just a re-edit i think could make this a really really good movie i don't know if it would go into great uh territory Mm -hmm. because of all of the things that are set up and not fully explored so i i think that that would keep it from ever really being great yeah but yeah trimming some of the fat getting rid of some of those unnecessary plot points and honestly trimming out some of the family because of the way that it's handled yeah trimming out the revenge plot i i think this could be a really no i actually i totally agree with you it's kind of the opposite where i I mentioned with the thing episode where it was like yeah you know a lot of people are sad that they replaced the practical effects with cg and if you fixed that then it would be a much better movie i don't necessarily agree with that but i do think that robocop has a better movie in what we already have yeah. like you could you could re-edit it and make it much stronger yeah uh, to the well, point and, where like like you said it would be a good movie maybe not great um but i do think there is a good movie somewhere in this uh, i didn't watch any of the deleted scenes but i'm kind of curious I, I didn't have to a chance see, to like, either uh but th- this one there's I some connective enough. tissue in there this one i enjoy enough that i work. want to watch it with commentary i want to watch the extras um oh one last thing not about the remake but about the original the blu-ray of robocop where like you actually see all of like that sort of uh, like translucent like blues and purples in his armor, mm-hmm. it is a beautiful movie. Like I, I would almost it's say that so the looking. original RoboCop is a more beautiful movie, even with as grimy as it is. I feel like the Blu- Blu-ray looks better than the remake yeah. because of the expectation of like, well, yeah, it's 2014. Of course, it's going to be shiny, but like watching an 87 movie with that Blu-ray transfer, it's like this. God, no, I totally agree. I think the stop movie. motion, I, I think the stop motion effects <laughs> in the original RoboCop are better than the CGI effects in this movie. And I'm not the kind of person True. who like automatically hates on CGI. Like I think CGI can be used really well and I'm perfectly well, fine with it in certain cases, but in this movie it just We've just had so many advances over the last few years mm-hmm. that something 6 years ago feels dated. Where something yeah, 30 years true. ago, and that's, we say it still holds up. That's ultimately so. what the problem is with CGI, I think, is that it dates itself way too quickly in a lot of cases. And yeah. I don't think the same can be said about stop motion effects or or, pra- or practical effects in general with the original RoboCop. Like, those makeup effects are so good. And it's like, yeah, they don't really hold up, I guess. Like, you can tell they're makeup effects, but they're still they still have this kind of tactile quality to them that yeah. makes them work better than the computer effects ever could. Yeah. They well, it's, and we'll keep the whole star Wars thing going. It's like with star Wars, <laughs> yeah. the original stuff in star Wars using puppets, it still holds up because it's real mm-hmm. versus some of the, the computer you know, stuff dates yeah. so much more quickly. Yeah. All right. So how rewatchable is the, uh, RoboCop remake? So it's the kind of movie that I would, 
prefer not to rewatch because again I value my time. <laughs> Why? Um, <laughs> Mostly silly thing because like I have so little of it. I have so little free time that it Truth. is very precious to me. And I have so many other movies I need to watch. Right. Like my watch list is I have more movies on my watch list than I have on my scene list. And I've and I basically logged almost every movie I feel like I think I've ever seen in my life at this point. So I have more got a long ways in to my go. collection than I have in my watch list. <laughs> Or my scene list, rather. Yeah. Uh, so, like, <laughs> I I value my time. Sure. I, it's not. It's the kind of movie where, like, if for some reason I was a captive audience, like, you know, I had to review it for a podcast again for some reason. <laughs> sure. God forbid. I wouldn't be <laughs> a, mad. A re-remake episode? Yeah, a re-remake. God, please don't ever do that. Um, I wouldn't be mad about having to rewatch January. it. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're pulling out your phone as if you're like going to write this I, down. I, Don't you I was dare. getting ready. Don't you no, dare. I was getting ready for this will be the, my uh, last keeping year. a timestamp. Oh, I got, oh, because you thought I was going to say the word. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so what was I saying? Um, yeah. You were I, saying it's the RoboCop's a really good movie. I wouldn't be mad if I had to rewatch it for some, uh, you know, un, unknown reason. Um, but I would never go out of my way to rewatch this movie. Sure. I, like if there were like, it's the kind of movie where I'd be happy to sit through certain scenes. And like, there are lots of things I can imagine myself looking up certain clips on YouTube and being like, Oh yeah, that was really cool. Um, sitting through the entire movie again, not, not interested. Fair. So uh, I already mentioned this earlier. It's I, I use iRobot as my metric of just, eh, I can watch it without really paying attention. I, I would put this in that level of rewatchability where if I don't want to have to think about anything, but God, that's so unfortunate because there's so many things about this movie that could be thought about. Yeah. But if it's just like, you know, a, a Saturday, late morning, early afternoon, you know, doing dishes, doing stuff around the house, but like also just wanting something on the TV, this would be one that I could easily just kind of reach for, toss in the DVD player and mm. just go about my business catch some of the scenes that are fun, uh, not really miss much of it, and, yeah. and it'd be fine. Yeah. So it's rewatchable in that sense, Yeah. but it's not rewatchable in the sense of like, yeah, it's it's not going to be one that I reach for often. I don't feel like it's, I would ever be in the mood to like be like, hey, yeah, let's put on RoboCop. I, I could see it, but not much. Yeah. It's, yeah I just it's, realized that yeah. I, I missed a really um, – great opportunity to make a joke about having a prime directive to rewatch robocop 2014 yeah yeah that was an obvious joke i missed sorry i just wanted to that's, point that out that that's okay point that's, out how disappointing i am your your prime directive number four is uh classified <laughs> yeah oh so i didn't but, know i wasn't aware of it right, okay 2021 we're just gonna watch robocop <laughs> <laughs> maybe there'll be oh you know what actually uh just a few months ago they announced that there's going to be a robocop returns movie uh, it was going to be directed by the dude that did district nine but he dropped out oh yeah i remember seeing some of that stuff he's been uh, attached to like every major sci-fi movie ever he had alien an alien sequel at one point and halo and all this other crap so it's not surprising that he didn't ultimately stick around for robocop returns yeah but yeah there's, which, which there's, is unfortunate i think that he would do a really good job with it yeah, no, I think that'd be I think that'd be good. Um, so yeah, there might be a new RoboCop movie, not I, not by next year, obviously, but I think soon-ish. that Jose Padilla could also do a really good job with it with a little bit more freedom. I think it's a good so, like if yeah. yeah if if he could return under the current climate where studios realize that an R rating is not a death sentence for a movie, like in the wake of movies like Deadpool. If this movie had come out a few years later. 
under the different studio climate, I think it could have had a lot more potential. Well, and yeah. see, even that, I don't even necessarily think that it needs to be uh, ultraviolent to be a good movie. No, be- and that's true, yeah. Because that's I, true. watching it, I didn't feel like... The, but apparently it was um, originally conceived as an R-rated movie, and that's why I was thinking maybe... So maybe if they maybe they had some other ideas they wanted to explore that involved Robosex. Some more mature themes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> some co ed locker room stuff going on. He had to see his wife. Like Verhoven. Verhoven likes to throw into his movies. Yeah. But he does it in such a well, maybe not Starship Troopers. But uh Verhoven handles nudity in a very interesting way. Where I like it's sometimes really cool. like it's, it's hypersexualized, other times it's just like, yeah, they're humans. Get over it. No, that's what I really like about it in Ro- in RoboCop and Starship Troopers. I think too is it's like, yeah, these are just they're th- basically he's trying to make it gender neutral. I yeah. think and is is his uh, is what he's trying to accomplish with that. It's just like these people are equals. We don't need to separate them. It's fine. They're like I yeah. love that. I love that, despite the fact that all of his movies are kind of, or those movies in particular, are kind of dystopian in nature. That is some kind of utopian thing that he's come up with, where like we can just have men and women work together and have locker rooms together, and there not be any kind of issues. And by men and women, I mean men, because the problem is really with them. Sure, um, us, I should say. Yeah, men are the worst. Yeah, we are. We suck. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. What was the next section of the review? Uh, Who do we recommend it for? Yeah, who do we recommend it for? I think, I know I've been harsh on this movie, but I do think that general audiences who like sci-fi movies and cop dramas and if you like superhero movies, I mean, this is essentially a superhero origin story, I think. Um, If you don't really care that much about all the shit that I've been annoyed with in this movie, if you don't really care about thinking too much about what's going on in this movie if you just want some decent action scenes and you know some pretty cool sci-fi stuff going on it's fine i mean you could do worse than watch this movie it's worth watching at least once even even if you like the original robocop i think you could watch this movie and not be upset by it Um, i think that if you've listened to this podcast and here are very valid reasons for why this movie does have very good merits mm -hmm. And also some shortcomings and also, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, of the four movies that we've talked about in this series, RoboCop is the one that I have the most nostalgia for. Mm -hmm. And like I I even had a RoboCop toy as a kid. Like it is the one that I probably have the most connection with. And I'm probably the most okay with this remake because of the fact that it is – it is a smart way to handle the source material in a modern climate with some – shortcomings uh yeah yeah, so if you've listened to this episode (laughs) and can agree with most of that then then i would say um people who enjoyed the original if you're just you know got a i don't like how i was about to phrase that if if you are so uh if you are so tied to the original that it's like nothing could ever live up to it. This is complete trash. Then uh, this probably isn't going to sway your opinion. Yeah, for God's sake, don't expect this to be as good as the original Robocop. No. I don't I, that you're you're an unreasonable person if you think that. True. I'm sorry. Well, we mentioned that <laughs> in the beginning of the series, all of the movies that we're covering are remakes of movies that are practically mm-hmm. perfect. There's no way that they're going to stack up. Ever, yeah, exactly. Period. Um, although I please do me a favor. And if you do decide to watch this movie, if you've never seen it before, make it a double feature and watch upgrade too. seriously, Nathan, I'm talking to you in particular, please watch upgrade. This movie is so good. Like that movie is, well, I, I feel, I feel like, like not it, enough people saw it. I feel like it would be a really good, uh, robo sandwich to do a triple feature of the original RoboCop, the mm-hmm. RoboCop remake and then upgrade. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or please do that. 
to do a... Although you might um, want to start with the RoboCop remake and then kind of go... No, you you good, mediocre, good. So you start out strong so that you like want to watch the rest of them. I like to build... No, I don't like I don't like sandwiching it that way. I like no, because if it's not a strong, I like, if it's not a if it's not a strong enough beginning, then I'm not invested in watching three movies. That was one of my problems with Evil Dead was that to me at the beginning wasn't strong enough. And I had to sit through a lot of stuff that I didn't care about to get to the parts that were great. Mm. So if I start with a movie that's OK, I'm more, uh, I'm more I really like, want to sit through, you know, two more movies worth. I like it more like. I like my movies where it just builds to a climax or, no. you know, like I like my sure. Oh, wait, no. So, uh, I <laughs> thank you for have, cutting me off. Having not seen upgrade, I feel like it would also be a really good adrenaline triple feature of uh, hardcore Henry upgrade and, um, uh, crank is hardcore Henry. The, uh, movie. First shooter. Yeah. yeah. I never watched that movie, Neither but I, I. I, Oh, okay. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I love the, uh, I love that you threw crank in there crank is one of my favorite action movies ever that is such an underrated series it, i think those movies are fan like the the two crank movies are so much fun they're just so balls to the wall <sighs> it's just, amazing hey, what's the craziest is, thing that could happen next it is this let's do it it is such it is art yeah it is absolutely art i'm so excited about guns akimbo by yes. the way it looks so much like a a spiritual sequel to crank and i'm all about it. I am fairly certain that I saw Central Cinema post a uh, a thing about bringing Guns Akimbo to uh, to Central Cinema. I don't oh, know man. when. I didn't see the actual date, but pretty sure they're going to be playing it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I can't wait to see that movie. And I love Daniel Radcliffe. I love the choices he's made since Harry Potter ended is just fascinating. And I just even even in the movies that aren't quite as good as they could have been like i just am fascinated by the fact that he chose to be in them. Yeah. Like horns and things like that. Like I don't know. It's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's great. He is. All so right. Samara Weaving. All uh, right. Anyway, get back to RoboCop. Yeah. So this is my recommendations. Again, they're pretty much the things that I've already said. If you enjoy movies like iRobot or um, or even um, uh, what's, the, what's the other Will Smith, The uh, Last Man? Um, I Am Legend? I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. That's decent. Or, yeah. You know, they're, they're fine. Eh, so what you're saying is this movie should have starred Will Smith as RoboCop? Honestly, if it if uh, it had that, Will Smith, that might be that yeah, probably yeah. Be better. Like no no, twenty fourteen Will Smith might have been a little late. It might have needed like wasn't this when he was on his wasn't this Will when he was Smith? on his hiatus from probably. acting? Um, if, if this had uh, Independence Day, Will Smith, yeah, like true. But then there would have been a little too much humor. Probably, yeah. I don't know. Joel Kinnaman, he's know. a fine actor, too, I think. He's just kind of... I don't I, think, I think that he, he did... really works very well. And, and I, don't, I, I don't... Again, I think it's kind of the same thing with Abby Cornish. I don't think it's his fault that it, his performance doesn't quite work. I think it's just... I think that they were trying to find someone a little too close to Peter Weller. Because there were times where it's like, you know what? If there were to be a uh, like Peter Weller biopic... I, I think that he would have done a decent job of it. I feel like he's not close enough almost because I think Peter Weller is so like has such a distinct face and frame and like there's something about him that stands out so much. Sure. Joel Kinnaman is a little more of like the generic G.I. Joe version of that but, character. But I, I think, think that that's what they were going for. I mean, that's true. I think I'm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't know. He's he's fine. Yeah, it's I'd, like the movie. It's it's fine. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm so torn on it because at times it's like, <laughs> oh man, here are the things that are terrible about it. I don't really see myself going back to it that often. But then I'm like, I and also I could see myself watching it again in the near future. 
I think and that it's, it's one of those movies yeah. that it, I mean, it's like I was actually really excited for this episode because I think there's a lot to discuss regarding the movie and right. what does and doesn't work. Um, I just think that the act of watching it is not the best part of <laughs> of that experience. Again, editing <clears throat> it. Yeah. Just have a different cut of the movie. And, and I think it's a really solid film. Yeah. All right. Sure. Uh, next up, we're going to be doing our decade episode. Which I should probably start watching some old movies. I've not done any prep for the next episode at all. All right. Go to my Letterboxd and look at... I actually have a hashtag or just a tag, not a hashtag. God. Um, I have a tag on my Letterboxd. You you should tag hash on all of them. So then it is a hashtag. (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, No. If you go to my Letterboxd and look at my diary, you can see some of the older movies. And if you look at the bottom, you can click... It's 1900s. 1900-10s and if you click on it you can see all the movies I've watched if you want to discuss some of the same movies I've watched a lot uh, um, quite I, a bit because most of them are like 6 to 20 minutes long so right. it's, this this I guarantee you this is going to be the one that we cover the most ground on because once we get into the 20s and 30s and beyond it's going to be like more actual feature actual length, feature length yeah. movies there's one or two feature length movies I'm going to do for this one and I'm kind of dreading it sure um i I haven't decided if i'm going to do it or not i don't don't want to i don't want to uh give away what i'm going to watch but i think if you look at that era it's kind of obvious what movie i'm going to be covering i don't think i'm gonna have time to watch that one (sighs) you probably shouldn't Uh, so i'll I'll fall on that grenade for you nathan i i have on on my letterboxd but i've not actually finished putting all the movies in because there's a thousand of them um, I have one of those just like coffee table books, um, a, a thousand and one movies you must see before you die. Mm-hmm. With, oh, yeah. I watched the first two that are listed on there with uh, Stephen J. Schneider as the general editor from mm-hmm. 2013 because, you know, referencing the stuff that I cite. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking all of those. Yeah, I, I try to I try to do that. I do, too. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> that book, a uh, thousand one movies to see before you die from 2013. I am going through the process of putting all of them in a letterboxed list. I just don't have it public yet because then the title is a thousand and one movies and I have five on it. (laughs) Once I have all of those, or at least the vast majority of them entered, uh, then I'm going to make that list public, but that's probably going to be a a main source of my reference in terms of which movies I decide to watch because, because there are so many just things out there. It's like, what's worth spending our time on. So, you know, stand on the shoulders of the people who have done the work before and pick some of the ones that have already been listed as, Hey, watch these things. Mm-hmm. And some of them are ones that I've either already seen before or know about, you know, like the, uh, George Moyer trip to the moon. Yeah. Of course, we're going to talk about that one. Um, so, so yeah, most of what we're going to talk about is probably going to be things that people are at least somewhat familiar with. Yeah, I'm trying to go with, with cinema. I'm trying to go with mostly kind of obvious options, but I'm also do it digging in and finding a few that I think are worth highlighting that people don't really talk about enough. Yeah. Well, and uh, we're going to mention this on that episode, but as a reminder, we're not going to have nearly enough time to go super in depth with this. So this is not going to be a comprehensive everything you need to know about the late 1800s to yeah. 19 teens. No, this is just going to be, hey, here's a theme that we're doing for an episode once a month. Mm-hmm. And here's some of the things that we watched and here's some of our thoughts. Well, and it's also okay, an excuse bye. in my, and especially in my case, it's an excuse to watch movies I've never seen before. Like the whole point was this is kind of continuing on with our blind spot stuff right. and how... 
especially in the early days of cinema, I have a lot of blind spots and there, I, I just really feel like I need to watch more movies from right. that era. And I just so feel like I need to watch more movies. Well, and that too, just in general. Um, but, but specifically I want to try and focus on movies I've never seen before. So there might be some big movies I've already seen that I'm going to omit just because I've seen them already. Sure. Well, and, um, and I might mention that I've seen them. So the but. way that I'm thinking it in terms of like how this conversation is going to go for these decade episodes, it kind of fits in with our general theme of, you know, trying to feel like that uh, sort of like eighties video store where, you know, you show up to work on Monday and your friend's like, Hey, I, how you doing? What'd you watch this weekend? Yeah. You know what? I've been going back and watching some stuff from the 1800s. Really interesting stuff. <laughs> Did you know that? So it's not going to be like someone who is like a master's thesis on, it's just, you know, get, getting together at a bar with some keep friends it, and talking about things that you've seen lately. Keep it pretty loosey goosey. Yeah, sure. I like it. I'm excited about it. Like I love, <laughs> it's, it's fun to not have a structure to just kind of like roll with things. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then after that episode, we will be in February and we're going to start our love and monsters theme, which I'm super excited about. I, I'm very excited. I was hoping that we would just do the before trilogy, but I also feel like that's a little, uh, kind of outside of the genre wheelhouse that we typically find ourselves in. So maybe it's not the best thing to, <laughs> to do. Um, but I love and monsters is absolutely the best alternative to that. Well, and part of our reason for doing uh, the love and monsters theme is because after midnight and sadistic intentions are both being released on Valentine's day. Yeah. Two of our favorite movies from last year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love them. And, uh, so yeah, really, we're just promoting those movies for the pretty much for the month. Yeah, we can't get enough of those movies, and we, we're not going to stop talking about them. <laughs> I'm so tempted to do another full episode on After Midnight, but we've already covered <laughs> it like four times in the last three months. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much more I can I can <clears throat> I can uh, eke out of my brain for that movie at this point. I I would focus on it uh, like just purely from the the love story point of it, mm. like you know at. Anyways, uh, yeah, After Midnight and Sadistic Intentions are the driving force behind doing our Love and Monsters theme for February. So if you've not seen them, they're going to be released on February. Pre-order them on iTunes. Um, yeah, great movies. We love them. Both of them have Jeremy Gardner. And they do. One of, the, one of them features Taylor Zodka. The other one, she is a, a very major minor character. Yeah. A minor character with a very major A pivotal yes. minor character, yeah, yes. for sure. That's the proper way to phrase <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, and, and we love Jeremy Gardner. He's a great actor, and he needs to be in more things. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything. Like, Jeremy, put him don't, in. don't take a hiatus. I understand I understand why you would need to, being in like eight movies in a year. Um, don't don't stay gone forever. We love you. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm sad that he's a little burnout. Yeah. It's understandable though. He is. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Cause yeah, he, he was in like legit, like six movies last year. He was. And I'm still so pissed off that he was not my most watched actor on letterbox at the end of the year. Fucking Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) I'm so mad. Like why do you count Samuel L. Jackson for rise of Skywalker when you just hear his, well, spoiler, by the way, it's my Uh, mild spoiler. My first rise of Skywalker. My year interview from letterbox had Kane Hodder, Kane Hodder, as my most watch actor. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And Jack Shoulder as my most watch. I, I did learn though that I, love that I did learn that like ninety percent of Letterbox users kind of just have Samuel L. Jackson because he's in so many freaking movies and he's in all those Marvel movies in little bit roles. So it's like it's almost impossible not to get Sam Jackson as your most watch actor unless you're deliberately going through like you did a specific series for yeah, Friday I, the Thirteenth. I was binging and, Friday the Thirteenth. So or, yeah, I, I love that my most watch actor was Kane Hodder and most watch director was Jack Shoulder. Just watch a bunch of that's uh, Dick Miller. Movies. 
movies or something yeah. like you got to find some character actor who's in like a lot of bit roles and watch a bunch of movies that they're in to finally dethrone Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. <sighs> it's disappointing, but it's okay. I like, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's fine. I was just really hoping for Jeremy Gardner. Yeah. Well, make that your point this year. Just watch a Jeremy Gardner movie every other day. Well, I mean, I do that already anyway. Sure. So. <laughs> all right. Um, I think we've gone through all of our housekeeping and all of our reminders and all of the things. We, we talked about Robocop a little bit, didn't we? Yeah. Okay, cool. A little bit. Cool. Then then we've uh, we've accomplished our task. Um, last unnecessary plug. Go watch Letterkenny. I just recently started <laughs> watching that show and I love it. It's a funny show. I need to check it out. It's funny. The the, the ads on <laughs> I, Hulu are so I, bizarre. I, I like it. Honestly, made me not want to watch the show because when I watch Hulu, I get like a million Letterkenny commercials, and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this even is, and it's bizarre. Yep. And I don't understand the context for any of the jokes that they show in the commercials. It is the weirdest marketing I've ever seen. I I don't want to oversell it because you know then that's the best way to ruin expectations. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised because you know I'd, I'd heard about it. And hadn't really watched it, but then again on YouTube, just kind of watching some videos, and there was a highlight reel, and it's like, eh, fine. And and I found myself laughing. It's like, oh, all right, I'll check it out. And and I've been benching like the first three seasons so far in the last week. It's, I I am really enjoying it. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you like it. Yeah, I'm glad that you're has, putting has off has your podcasting to- <laughs> duties to to watch watch Letter Kenny. It has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. I'm just really enjoying it, and and I think that other people should watch it. It's a good show. All right, it, it amuses me. I will once I finish my podcast homework, which right. is never, but you know, yeah, I'll get to it maybe. Yeah. All right, Eric, where do you want people to find you? Um, on Twitter, you can find me at the Chimerican, and on l- Instagram, you can find me at Chimerican <laughs> Reviews, and on Letterboxd, you can find me at Eric J A Y. And you can follow me through the podcast on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Video Monster Pod, and on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. Um, and uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, go back and listen to our other newer isn't always better episodes. And be sure to keep coming back for our decades episodes, and for our Love and Monsters, and for our Chat Film Fest coverage, and our Knoxville Horror Film Fest coverage, and all of the other things we're going to be doing this year. Um, and and if you are enjoying this, leave some reviews, leave leave some good ratings, give some good feedback. Yeah. yeah, we're open to anything, just about. Yeah, let us know what movies you want us to cover. We'll consider them. It's not saying that we won't cover them. It's just we already have so many things. Yeah, we have a lot of things planned out, but we'll definitely yeah. take into account. And uh, who knows? We might we might even like move it up a little bit if it's a good enough idea. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, listen, feedback, ratings, good follow. My brain's you stopping. All right. You, yeah. Are you powering down? Yeah. All right. Beep boop beep boop. Do I need to do the, the sign off this time? The send off? Beep boop. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. <laughs> I'm Eric. <laughs> I'm Robo Nathan. <laughs> and uh, remember kids, um, go watch Robocop. Yeah. All of them. Especially like all the 1987. You know, I've never seen any of the sequels. They'd, they'd get not as good. Yeah. Um, also, Clarence Boddicker is probably just the baddest mother in town. Like, he is so amazing. You know what I would love to see? I I, this, I don't think this would necessarily be like a good satire, satirical movie. I think that it would just be a really fun action movie. I would love to see a Robo Boddicker. Robotiker? 
So like oh, Robocop yeah. versus Robobotiker. <laughs> Robotiker That's, makes so much more sense than I like Robobotiker. It. I like it. That. Because like, you know, he's, he's already so evil. Robotiker. That like putting him in a robo frame. Yeah. Dude, you know you want to see Robotiker. As long as he still has his glasses. Like, I want to. He has to wear those, the, those the glasses. The visor that would really, come down would just be his just glasses. Just be his, his, his rimless glasses. <laughs> that, that, that really ties the whole, the whole villain together, I think. He's so amazing. I love how badass he is but then how he just totally crumbles in the face of any kind of actual adversity like it's uh, and Kurtwood is just brilliant and the way he the I love the scene where they take him to the police precinct and he spits the blood and he's like just give me my f***ing phone call <laughs> it's such it a is good movie. really oh my god I love it I, I love it I love it also so much. can we talk I, just I just have to talk I have to get this off my chest because there's something that's really bothering me about the original Robocop Dick Jones just has an Ed 209 hanging out in his office all the yeah. time around a corner. Like, yeah. it just sits there. Why like, not? how how did he get that in there? Why like, not? because it had to bust through the doors. Did they have to literally assemble it in his office? I just don't understand the logistics behind this. Like, it is so weird that he has this malfunctioning equipment that he recognizes doesn't work. Because he's like, who cares if it works? I was going to make a guaranteed sale. Or he says, who... He says I was gonna sell it to. Wow, fucking hell! <laughs> he says I was gonna. I had a guaranteed sale to the military. Who cares if it works or not? And then he uses it to defend his office, even though he knows it doesn't work. Well, so weird. You know, it's. He's, he's all about that. Thing. I don't know. It's just crazy. That's male ego for you. I, maybe it was um, Verhoeven's commentary on uh, ED being erectile dysfunction. Oh, I and, bet it is. And he needed like a much bigger robot to make up yeah come on his name is dick his name is dick yeah dick jones oh yeah. man I, I think there's something there yeah there's got to be something there verhoeven's so playful with this like nothing is there for no reason you know what yeah. i'm like i mean i know he didn't write the script but i mean he had some input i like to think that like. he did i mean he didn't it was uh Neumeier, edward uh Neumeier or new new something sure I think I've butchered his name. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't I'm exactly. Not, I'm too tired to pull up uh, IMDb right now. So, uh, the writer of Robocop, who exists and is awesome. Right anyway, more things. Yeah. From 40 years ago. We should stop talking. All right. I'm, yeah. Let's. I think we've we've uh, overstayed our welcome. Okay. Bye. Your move, creep. <laughs> Dead or Alive, you're podcasting with me. How was that our Not Remember Kids? I don't know, man. Uh, all right. We got to go. That's why we, we need to plan these things out ahead of time. <laughs> where's, where's the fun in that? We just hit record and then see what happens.